Turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Now, just to give you guys a heads up, we put out an announcement that this month is going to be a month, and, and I hope you can join us. Every Wednesday, we're going to do worship and prayer for a month. And we're really going to seek the Lord because we're going through crazy times. And, uh, and the best way to get our strength and our confidence in Him is to spend time with Him. And so the importance of prayer, guys, is that as we worship and minister to the Lord, then He ministers back to us by the power of the Holy Spirit, and then we go out and minister to people and each other, laying hands on each other, praying for each other. We want to be able to have some intimate time in the next four weeks of being able to worship and pray together, to pray for one another, to ask for the gifts of the Spirit, um, and just ask God to strengthen us to, to do His will and to finish our course because, you know, when the whole world seems like it's falling apart all around you, it's hard to keep your eyes on Jesus. And it's so easily we can get our eyes off of Jesus. And so tonight, I just want to give you a short message and then we're going to do a little more worship. Austin's going to come up and do some worship. And uh, so Matthew chapter 6, I want to look in the Bible at different places of prayer. I want, to, I want to show you the prayer that Jesus uh, gave to the disciples when they asked Him, show us how to pray. And, and it's not like He gave them this prayer that's like, this is what you always pray. It was more like a template. Does that make sense? Like, it, here's kind of some things, here's some key things. Think about this when you're praying, right? Um, and we're going to be looking at the Lord, what we call the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6 and in the book of Luke, but... Actually, the Lord's Prayer is in John 17, and we'll look at that tonight. Um, but this is sort of a template. And, you know, the Our Father, who art in heaven. We know, we know. how many of you are Catholic? Okay, so, okay, so you guys already know. We, we said this prayer all the time, right? And then you would go to confession. Oh, I would go to confession, and I'd, and I'd get in trouble, and the, and the, the priest would say, okay, you've got to do 10 Our Fathers and you know, 15 Hail Marys, you know, because you're really bad, right? And, and so, but the thing is, I want to say to you is God doesn't want repetitious prayer. He says that in the Bible. So He doesn't want you to just say a prayer over and over and over and over and over like that. He wants to talk to you. He wants to hear from you. He wants to interact with you. He wants to communicate you with, with you. So where the Bible says pray without ceasing, and you're kind of like, man, I don't know, my prayer life's a little dry. Um, he just says, talk to me. He wants you to talk to him throughout the day. So in Matthew chapter 6, go to, um, go to verse 8 or 9. Verse 9. Matthew 6, verse 9. And let's pray. Father, um, open our eyes to prayer right now. And the importance of just talking to you, just getting alone with you. And sometimes, Lord, just being quiet and listening, Lord. I, I think I need to listen more. And so, Lord, we just pray that you would speak to us by the Holy Spirit tonight and give us just a freshness to prepare us for these next four weeks of prayer and worship where we're just going to seek your face and look for your guidance. So bless this time, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. All right. So in verse 9 of chapter 6, he says this, The disciples had asked him, How teach us to pray? He said, In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. 
For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now I'm going to go a couple more verses. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses, your sins. That's a little scary. But anyway, let's go back up to the top where he teaches them how to pray. And like I said, he doesn't want us just to say this prayer over and over. It's a great prayer. And there's nothing wrong with saying it as long as it's heartfelt. It's not to be like a mantra. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this prayer. I'm going to do verse 9 through you know, 13. I'm going to do it you know, 10 times. No, that's not what he wants. He wants you to speak to him. And he says, but remember, this is what he's trying to tell his disciples. He says, remember when you're praying, acknowledge God. Acknowledge the Father. Acknowledge who He is. Hallowed be Your name, Lord. Just acknowledge how wonderful He is, how blessed You are. Understand these things. You know, and, and that Your will would be done, Lord. Not my will. I've, I've really had to learn to pray at the end of my prayers because I've got like, you know, I ask for a lot of things. And there's nothing wrong with that. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. But I've just learned for sometimes the things that I ask for is maybe not what God wants for me. And so when I finish my prayers, I say, not my will, but thy will be done. And that's really good because his will is always better. It's always better. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done. We want his will to be done in our life. On earth as it is in heaven, give us our daily bread. And, and then he talks to us about forgiveness, asking for forgiveness. We, we need, you know, it's so important for us to clean our slate. And the beauty of, of, of being a child of God is that I can clean my slate every morning and start fresh. Isn't that awesome? And God not only forgives you of your sins, but he chooses to forget. Okay? And I love that because we don't forget and, and our friends don't, or our enemies don't forget. They love to bring up our past, but God's already forgiven me on my past. So why are you bringing it up? You know, it's really wrong for us to bring up past because it's done with it's dealt with and and it's but it's in the human nature but god says listen i've not only forgiven you i choose to forget he tells us to uh ask for this forgiveness that will forgive us of our sins our debts lead us not into temptation deliver us from the evil one keep us from sin in other words for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen great little template but what is a little bit scary is what he says there in verse uh, 14 and 15. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. That's not scary. But this one is. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Okay, th he's talking to believers here, guys. He's talking to God's children. So what does that mean when God says, if you don't forgive, I'm not forgiving you? What does that mean? A lot of people say you lose your salvation. No, that's not true. You're a child of God. You're born again. You're going to heaven. What he's saying there is if I hold bitterness against somebody and I don't want to forgive them, I'm cutting off communication with the Lord. He loves me. He, he, he's going to bring me to heaven. But he's just not talking to me right now because I'm not getting right with him. And my unforgiveness and bitterness can keep me from having a relationship with God to where he says, you know what, um, you know what, I, I really don't want to hear you pray right now because you need to settle this issue with me right now. And if you're not going to settle this issue with me right now, um, I'm not listening. 
I don't want you to take my word for it. I'm gonna, um, I want to show you in the Bible where it says that. If I can find it. It's in Isaiah. Oh, gosh. Let's see. Yeah, Isaiah 59. Now, listen to this carefully. Because you guys are probably turning there trying to find it. <laughs> but take a note. You ready? Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that He cannot save. Good news, huh? Nor is His ear heavy that He cannot hear. Okay, here it is. Ready? Hold on to your seat. Look at me, guys. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it to you. But your iniquities have separated you from God and your sins have hidden His face from you so that He will not hear you. What? He loves you. You're born again. You're going to heaven. But He's not listening because you've got bitterness and unforgiveness harboring in your heart. And it's gotten so in the way that it's ruining your relationship not only with the person, but with Him. And, and God wants you to get those things right on a daily basis so that you have open communication. So important for us. So this is a great uh, encouragement for us. Now I want you to turn to John 17. Let's look at the Lord's Prayer. John 17. This is Jesus praying to the Father. Great portion of Scripture. Really exciting. We're going to read the whole chapter. You there? Say amen if you're there. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up His eyes to heaven, and He said this, Father, the hour has come. Glorify Your Son, that Your Son also may glorify You as you have given me authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified you on earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with Yourself with the glory which I had with You before the world was. Wow! I have manifested Your name to the men whom You have given me out of the world. They were Yours. You gave them to me. They have kept Your Word. And now they have known all the things which You have given me are from You. For I have given to them these words which You have given me, and they have received them and have known surely that I came forth from You, and they have believed that You sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom You've given me, for they are Yours, and all Mine are Yours, and Yours are Mine. I am glorified in them, now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you've given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. 
Those whom you gave me I've kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the Scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of this world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. Wow. Please take us out but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of this world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And as you sent me into the world, I also send them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by truth. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me, I in you, and they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me and the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them, you in me, and they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me, and check this one out, have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that also whom you've given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me, for you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known you, that you sent me, and I have declared to them your name, and will declare it, that the love with which you loved me may be in them, and I in them. Is that a beautiful prayer or what? I love the promises that are there. I mean, that to me is just amazing stuff. I, I, love, I love the fact that he says that the Father loves you and me with the same love that he has for Jesus. I mean, hello. We, we, wow. Just stop at you on that one for a little bit, right? God loves me the same way he loves Jesus. No one has ever loved us like God. No one. So the importance of prayer. Jesus was always getting off by Himself to be with the Father and spend countless times. It was, it was a strength. It was, it, was, uh, it, it was communion. It was an intimate relationship. And God wants that with you. Now, here's the thing. The Bible says pray without ceasing, right? And, but our prayer life gets a little stale. Is it, or is that just me? Talk to me. It, it, is, is, does it get a little routine? Do you feel like it's like a wish list? Like, Lord, you know, good morning, Lord. How's it going? Can you do this, do this, do this, and this? Hey, great talking to you. Good. Have a good day. You right? And there's nothing wrong with that. Don't get me wrong. But our prayers can get a little repetitious, and we feel like we're just saying the same thing over and over and over. And, and, um, and, and that's okay. But just talk to them like you talk to one another. Just talk to him and don't forget to listen. And I want to encourage you, um, a long time ago, when I first became a pastor, 20 years ago, and I went to my very first pastor's conference at Marietta, there's like 800 pastors. There was a guy there that I really looked up to. His name was John Corson. And 
I was so like starstruck, you know what I mean? A young pastor, I'm at this pastor's conference with like 800 plus pastors and like all the guys you listen to on the radio and you're like, you know, you're just looking at them and go, there's that guy, there's that guy. Yeah, I wonder if they'll even talk to me, right? And, And John Corson came over, didn't even know me and just wanted to get to know me. And I was like, really? And he just, he says, how's the ministry going? What's going on? I go, we just started, and I was the worship leader, and the pastor left and said, you're the pastor. And I'm like, no, you're the pastor. And he said, no, you're the pastor now. i got to go back to the mainland. I go, I'm not the pastor. You're the pastor. So I told him my story, and I was a little afraid. I was scared. I was, like, nervous. Um, and he just poured into me at the pastor's conference. And he, and, he, and he laid hands on me. He prayed for me. And I'll never forget that. And, and that was such a blessing to me. That was such an encouragement that, that somebody who I thought was the, the big deal, the big show would take the time for me. And I remember a long time, listen, long time ago listening to this message when he was talking about prayer, and I'll never forget this. And he was saying, like, sometimes that when your prayer life gets dry, he says, try this. And he says, you know, this is not an absolute. It's just a suggestion, right? But he said, well, you know, if your prayer life gets, he goes, think of the temple. Think of the Old Testament with the, the holy place, the holy of holies, the altar, the labor, and all those things. And, and then um, it's in Psalm 100 and, you know, I don't know what, which one it is. Is it one of What is it? No, I don't know. I forget. It's 100-something. Um, but I remember what it says. It says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Come into his courts with praise. And I remember him teaching on this and, and starting out right there. And he says, so if your prayer life gets a little dry, he says, try this. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Come into his courts with praise. Now you're in the courts. So you're on the temple mount. You're in the courts. The temple's ahead of you. But what comes up first? The altar. The altar of sacrifice for the covering of sins. And then next to the altar was the laver, right? It was like this huge, almost like a bath where the priest would wash and cleanse himself to get themselves ready before they do the sacrifices and do the work of God, right? And, and then there was the holy place. We walked in. The priest would walk in and the table of showbread was on the right and the menorah, the lampstand was on the left. And then in the front, right in front of the curtain, uh, there was the altar of incense. And then on the other side of the curtain was the holy of holies, right? And nobody could go in there except the high priest once a year, right? What was in the holy of holies? The ark. What was in the ark? The Ten Commandments. What was on top of the ark? The mercy seat, representing Jesus Christ. He was a propitiation for our sins. And, and the, 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 what it speaks of is that Jesus is between us and the law. And remember what happened if somebody tried to open up the ark that wasn't supposed to? They were smoked. Because you don't want to face the law without having Jesus in between you and the law. Right? Because he's the higher authority. He's higher than the law. So if you want to live by the law, you'll die by the law. But if you get Jesus between you and the law, you'll have everlasting life. Okay, so here's what he said. He said, so when you start praying and your prayers are a little dry, he says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Just start thanking God for everything that he's done. Just thank you, Lord. Thank you. Come into his courts with praise, praising him for who he is, praising him for the promises, praising him for forgiving you. I mean, you just you can just go on for a good 30 minutes with that, right? And then you come to the altar where you offer up your sins. You confess your sins. You put them on the altar. You get your heart clean with God at the altar. And then what's next? The laver. 
The laver was where they would wash. And, and you, you, you there, the Bible says that we are to uh, daily be washing ourselves in the water of the Word. Right? So right then, you, you've come into the gates and you've, you've done all these things and now you're meditating on a couple of verses in your prayer and then you go into the holy place and the table of showbread's on the right. And, and you go to the table of showbread and you start asking for your daily bread. You start ask, asking for your, your daily needs. You start asking you, even your wants because He gives us our wants even sometimes, right? And then you go to the left and there's the lampstand, the menorah, and, and that represents the church. It represents ministry because in Revelation 2 and 3 and 1, he talks about that Jesus is in the midst of the lampstand and the church is that lampstand. And so there you start praying for uh, churches. You start praying for missionaries. You start praying for your home church, the church at large. And then you come to the, the veil. And right there is the altar of incense. And right there is, you know, the coals are burning and the incense is rising up, a sweet aroma. And there you start praying for your enemy. It says if you pray for your enemies, you're heaping coals upon their head, right? And that means it in a good way. But you start praying for your enemy. You start, you start releasing all that bitterness. So check this out. You entered into his gates with thanksgiving. You came into the courts with praise. You laid your sin on the altar. You washed in the water by the word. You meditated on some verses. You stepped into the holy place. You asked for your daily bread and your needs. And then you prayed for ministry and for the church and for the mission. And then you prayed for your enemies. And now you're ready to go into the holy of holies before the Lord and just kneel at his feet and listen. Because you did everything else already. And you got yourself ready to hear from the Lord. Let me close with this. It's going to take about five minutes, though. It's a pastor's five minutes. Go to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. This is going to blow your mind and get you so ready for this month of prayer and worship. I really think it's going to. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Say amen if you're there. Okay, two people are there. Keep going. Where's 2 Chronicles? It's right next to 1 Chronicles. <laughs> okay, you there? We close? Okay. I'm stalling so you can get there. Okay, or you can just listen. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Check this out. This is going to blow your mind, but you've got you to gotta stay with me. Verse 1. It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and the others with them besides, the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Now, Jehoshaphat is the king, okay, of Judah, the king of Jerusalem. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria. And they are in Hazan, Hazazon Tamar, which is in Gedi, in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared, set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all Judah, so that Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. Isn't that awesome? People coming to seek the Lord. 
Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem, the house of the Lord, before the new court, and he said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hands is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now here are the people of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came, into the land, came out of the land of Egypt but they turned away from them and did not destroy them. So when they came out of Egypt, God says, stay away from these guys. Now these guys are coming after Israel. Right? Here they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inheritance. O our God, will, not you, will you not judge them? Now check this out. This is heavy. For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Isn't that awesome? Now all of Judah, with all their little ones, their wives, their little children, stood before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite, the son of Asaph, the, in the midst of the assembly. And he said, Listen, all you of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord to you, Do not be afraid, nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight. I'm going to say that again. This is for us. You will not need to fight this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. Praise the Lord. See the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Can I get an amen? <laughs> and Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites, uh, the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and the children of the Kohathites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with their voices loud. So they just busted into worship. So they rose up, check this out, in the morning. They went out into the wilderness of Tekoa, and as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and he said, Hear me, O Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe his prophets and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those 
who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of His holiness. And they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord, for His mercy endures forever. And now when they began to sing and begin to praise, the Lord set an ambush against the people of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped destroy one another. So when Judah came onto the place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude and they were all dead bodies fallen on the earth. No one had escaped. They didn't even fight. And when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil, they found such an abundance of valuables on the dead bodies, precious jewelry, which was stripped of, off for themselves more than they could carry away. And it took them three days to gather the spoil because there was so much. That's all I wanted to say tonight. Except I want to remind you this. Right now you're facing something. This world's nuts. We're getting squeezed. I don't know what you're going through. I don't need to know what you're going through. It could be emotional. It could be spiritual. It could be all of the above. I mean, what's happening with our nation is crazy. And you can feel the enemy squeezing you so hard right now. Attacks from loved ones. Attacks from family. Attacks from the county. Attacks from the nation. Attacks from the enemy, attacks spiritually. And, and you can be feeling so squeezed right now. You and I are those people who, like Jehoshaphat, say, for we have no power against this enemy. We don't know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. Our eyes are upon you. And then God's going to minister back to you and say, be not afraid nor dismayed. The battle's not yours, but mine. You will not need to fight this battle. Position yourself, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. The Lord is with you. Austin, would you come up and play some worship? Father, we, uh, we just thank you for this reminder so as we go into battle on our knees in these next four weeks on a Wednesday night, that we're going to re be reminded to keep our eyes on you. We have no strength, and we're going to let you just take the battle. And we're going to stand back and watch the salvation of the Lord. For it's your fight, not ours. And so, Lord, I pray that you encourage everyone here this evening, that you would pour out your Spirit on them right now, and fill them afresh. Meet them right where they're at. And take care of whatever's battling in their hearts and their minds. Whether it's spiritual, physical, whatever it is, Lord. We turn it over to you. Because you are the only one that can take care of it. We ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.